We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. podcast the monday version yeah people normally uh, are used to this voice on the tuesday edition but joe bartle filling in for jeff erickson chris Liss alongside me this is my video debut of the podcast so uh we'll see how that goes before we get into the week 15 slate word from our sponsors bet mgm sports betters know that magic happens when you turn a hunch into action and apply the right amount of expertise that's why bet mgm has teamed up with rotoware to offer new bet mgm customers a free six-month rotoware subscription when they place their first bet Register on the BetMGM app or website and use promo code ROTO, that's R-O-T-O, to claim your first subscription. Once you make your first sports wager, you'll receive a season's length of RotoWare's unmatched sports insight. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sports by signing up and, well, king of sports books, by signing up and placing your first bet today. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditioning. 21 years or older to wager Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, Tennessee, and West Virginia only. Please gamble responsibly, and if you have a gambling problem, call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. 
Or if you if you know somebody or you or yourself has a gambling problem, wants help, call one eight hundred nine with it. In Indiana, promotional code offer not available in Nevada. Okay, all right. So it's week fifteen now in the books for the most part. We still have the Monday night game uh, to go on, which should be a stinker, I'd imagine, right? Steelers, Bengals. Are you that excited for that list? No, I'm not really excited for it. Uh, you know, it's funny because I, for the night game, since I'm in Portugal, I don't stay up till four in the morning, so I watch the 40-minute edited version of those games the next morning, which is nice because it saves me time. I mean, think about it. Like, if you're watching them live, you watch three games a week, Sunday, Thursday, and Monday, that's 10 hours, right. and I'm doing it in two hours, 40, 40, and 40. So I save eight hours of my time that's completely wasted by most other people that watch football. Uh, but with games like this and like the Giants game this morning, even the 40-minute version is tough. It's boring. I'm like, just hurry this up. It's boring. And I'm not even watching commercials or replay reviews or huddles or any of that. It's just like this is a bad product. So you never know. I mean, you never know. Some, sometimes they surprise you, but I'm not expecting much. Yeah, it's unfortunate your favorite team had such a dismal outing. I, I don't know. It, it kind of felt expected when it was Colt McCoy under center. But Daniel Jones didn't have a great game last week either. It just feels like that's where the offense is kind of stagnated for the Giants these past two weeks. Yeah, I mean, Jones was playing hurt, right. and he's played well in stretches, and he has, like, the physical skills. But I don't know if mentally or just feel-wise he has it as a quarterback. Like, you look at Jalen Hurts coming in. He just has that feel for the game. You can just see it. I mean, you see the guy has a feel. He just knows kind of when to take off, when to throw into coverage, when to eat it and take a sack, when to throw it away. He's just very instinctive. And Daniel Jones just seems a little – he's got all the physical skills, but he doesn't have the instincts. And then, of course, you lose Barkley, and you're dealing with, like, substandard running back. You know, Alfred Morris is getting a lot of carries. And then, you know, Evan Ingram sucks. Another ball went off his hands. That guy's just like – I don't even know why, you know, they just keep trying to throw to him. And then – you know, the line, Andrew Thomas did a decent job against Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett got a late sack, but for the most part, he held up pretty well. Uh, the defense is fine. It's pretty good, actually. They didn't have James Bradbury. Didn't, they didn't get torched, but, um, you know, they just, they just need to. It's really unfortunate that Jones is hurt because this is the time they needed to make a final decision on him. And now, whatever the decision they make is going to be a little incomplete. Uh, he'll either be, they'll either kick him to the curb, which is probably makes the most sense, but. I think there's still some skill there, and he's played behind horrible offensive lines, so that you never know if he could do well behind a good one. Uh, or they'll stick with him too long because they won't draft a quarterback, which is also a problem. You really need to find out. That's like incredibly valuable, and the injury was very ill-timed for that reason. So, yeah, it was a horrible game. And, uh, yeah, the Giants, I, I think they're in a, they have good like defensive line, good secondary with Bradbury. They have good... They could have a better offensive line if Andrew Thomas develops. They have Slayton and Shepard. There's some pieces there, but it, they need a lot of work. Where are you personally at? Like, are you on the Giants should draft another quarterback train? After yeah, okay. I think so, probably. I would have liked to give Danny Dimes the last few games to, to sure. you know, yeah. prove that wrong. But knowing what I know now, he started enough. I mean, look at Jalen Hurts. He had two starts, and I'm already sold. You look at most of these guys, they're just good from the get-go. You know, Herbert was good right away. You rarely have a guy play this long and you're unsure. Now, he did have terrible conditions, and conditions are huge, right? You'll see Matt Ryan look amazing, Matt Ryan look terrible. You'll see a lot of good quarterbacks, depending on conditions, look great or terrible. And so, so if a guy's in bad conditions, you can be fooled 
and think he's worse than he is. But I think balance of what I've seen, some of it's been his fault. And he's a great athlete, but I, I would probably move on. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the conditions part of it. I think of like to attack of Loy, right? He's, he's doing fine enough with the Dolphins right now, and he has similar, if not worse, conditions than Daniel Jones when he entered the league. You mentioned Justin Herbert, well, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry Eckler. That's a pretty great stable of guys available. I don't know. I, I'm with you on that. And and I, we had talked on SiriusXM Friday, I think, about Jalen Hurts, and you were right. I mean, you were, you were confident in your analysis of him or, or assessment of him that he was a pretty good player, and I was saying, let's just roll it back a little bit. I think I'm all in now after two games because that was another impressive performance by him. I oh, look great. Uh, and no, I just, I saw the saints game. I watched the whole game mm-hmm. and I think a lot of, you know, so this is an interesting topic because Rufus Peabody, who is a professional better, he puts tens of thousands of dollars on games based on his own systems and uh, beliefs about this stuff. So he's got way more skin in the game than I do. I just talk shit on uh, radio shows and podcasts. And I bet a tiny bit of my money that, is insignificant. Uh, I don't. It's, it's not the basis of my livelihood. So you know, you should listen to him. Uh, but we got into it because I had the Eagles as my best bet. Unfortunately, they didn't cover because Zach Ertz was subbing in for the punter as the holder, and they botched a, an extra point. But they would have covered. But I don't think that's the point. I, I said to him, the reason I like the Eagles because I think Jalen Hurts is just such a difference maker for them over Wentz. And he did not move his number very much based on Hurts over Wentz because he said, look. A guy typically in his second career start is not an even close to an average quarterback. So he, what he does, he bets the base rate. The base rate is what usually happens. What usually happens is a guy in start two just isn't a big plus at the position. So then he graded the Eagles as a team, including their quarterback, as lower than I did. And, but I, I feel like, you know, I, I feel even though I lost the bet and he actually won it, I feel like at least in that respect, I was, I was right. And. And and he would never say he's always going to be right because the base rate's not always right. It's just usually right. But I guess the way I would put it is that is that I think he was using the wrong base rate because if you just say generic guy in start two, then he's absolutely correct about the base rate. But if you say guy in start two who beat one of the best defenses in the league in start one convincingly, okay, now we're looking at something else. And I, and I this we see this logic all the time. Um, I remember one time after uh, Mike Trout had his ridiculous rookie year, um, there was like a piece written that was like, he's never going to repeat this. It's so unusual. And he gave all these reasons for why the guy, why players just don't do this at this age with this blah, 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 this, you know. And I was like, yeah, the average player doesn't do this, right? But players who do this now have to be considered very much not average players. You know, if you were to say, okay, LeBron James, no way he's going to average seven assists a game, you know, for five years, nobody who's six, nine two sixty ever has seven assists a game. Well, yeah, but the guy who does might be the greatest player of all time. I mean, it's, you know, you can always, you can't look at it as well. This has never happened before. And it seemed to have as this thing. He's like, if you're a Turkey for like the first, you know, thousand days of your life life's great my owner's so nice he fattens me up he gives me all the food i do whatever i want it's amazing it's, it's a great life and then it's thanksgiving of the year that you're up you know and and you know you could have a th- you could be a thousand for a thousand correct on your assessment of the situation but on day a thousand and one it's all over for you you're being fed to somebody so you know we we sometimes look at what the base rate is 
but we're not taking into account all the variables, right? So like the, the base rate, yeah, in general is this, but, and then, you know, you get into the tricky part of how can you spot an exception to the well, base rate? Was, how do I, be my follow up? Like how, what, right. what is the point or like, how do you get to there? Because you can have your own assessments on players and it might be true or it might not be true. I think of Jared Goff very specifically, his very first year with Jeff Fisher under, uh, as the head coach. He was awful, right? I mean, and I was I was pro Wentz all the way. I thought Wentz was the better quarterback of the two. It was ridiculous. Goff went number one overall. It looked like Wentz was going to be the home run hit. He was the MVP basically in his rookie season. Goff was non-existent. You flip it around with Sean McVay. Now Goff actually looks above average, and I have to kind of bite my tongue and pretend like he's good. And now we're sort of waffling in between whatever Goff is. So it's hard to identify, especially after only two games. That's where it's, it's difficult to make the assessment that uh, Jalen Hurts is the guy. Like just because you saw what he did against the Saints, He's still the above average player that Rufus Peabody might not think he is. Right. And, and I could be wrong, right? Let's say Hurts is terrible for four games. Then I'm already, you know, oh, yeah, look, I was right about this. And then I end up being wrong about it. But every excellent game that he plays and he had no interceptions and he had three touchdowns and a rushing time. I mean, he looked really good. And Arizona's pass rush has been pretty good the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and comparing to Wentz is just night and day the yeah. difference between the two and and playing behind that offensive line and getting all sean jeffrey involved remember those stats don't even include the four pis against patrick peterson i mean he moved the ball like crazy um but yeah it could still change obviously and the question is yeah how do you know after one start or two that this is right. an exception to the rule and i think that there's a couple of things right like so a, there's, you have experience watching players, and you usually see guys like Danny Dimes who make a couple of amazing throws, some nice runs, but then just look totally boneheaded. And that's the norm, right? Like there's a total, there's guys who are total stiffs that don't make any plays. Right. Which you know, the Dwayne Haskins. Right? Like, yeah, well, Dwayne Haskins, you know, Haskins and Josh Rosen. I mean, they barely, you know, they make a throw here and there, but it's like there's almost no bright spot. And then there's guys like Dimes and Sam Darnold who they'll make occasional great plays, but there's just so many boneheaded mistakes. And that's usually what you're looking at. But sometimes you get a Jalen hurts for his first couple games or Deshaun Watson or a Joe Burrow or somebody. And I even think those two hurts and Watson played better than Burrow even, um, that you're like, Ooh, this guy's playing way over the normal, you know, level. And then of course, pedigree matters. Like Burrow's the first overall pick. Watson was an early first round. I mean, Jalen Hurts was the second rounder, so he gets dinged a little bit for that. But sometimes you just see it. And then also, you know, the, the I think that something that people get wrong is and um, is that it's not just the size of the sample. It's the magnitude of the sample. So I, I always give this example to Jeff. Like, let's say I'm taking batting practice at Yankee Stadium. I, I decide at age 49 that I'm a prospect, and I convince some people to – I pay some people to let me audition for the Yankees to try out. And in batting practice, I hit a ball 600 feet, just one. Okay, it was only one ball. It's just a very tiny sample. But it went 600 feet. You know, the, the biggest home runs of the year hit by Stanton go like 500 feet, right. 505 right. feet. So I hit one 600 feet, just one. Well, I mean, it doesn't mean I would make the team, but they would, have, they would be like, what the hell just happened? This guy's got power I've never seen in my entire one, – a sample of one would tell you a lot. It would tell you a lot. If I threw one pitch at 110 miles an hour, that, I mean it's, a, it's one pitch. It doesn't mean I can pitch in the big leagues, but it means – it certainly means people are going to have an interest in seeing how replicable it is. Okay. And so, so I think that it's not just the size of the sample. It's the magnitude of the sample. So I, I had this other thing I used to put on Twitter. I'd say, uh, 
Would you rather have, just knowing nothing else about a player, a pitcher who struck out 200 batters in a season last year, or a pitcher, and all you knew about him is he struck out 18 batters in one game? And everybody, or most people, the majority on Twitter voted for the two, you know, big sample, 200 strikeouts in a season. Do you realize if you look at the list of pitchers who've struck out 18 batters in a game, it's a who's who of the all-time greats. It's like Randy Johnson. You know, I mean, it, it, it's Roger Clemens. It's like, it's like the greatest pitchers of all time. And there's like the scrubs are like Kerry Wood, hmm. who's still very, you know, yeah. who, guys who struck out well more than 200 at the peak. So it, it's a mistake to go for sample over a large sample when you're, and not consider magnitude. So, you know what, and now, okay, the question of the magnitude of Jalen Hurts' game, I mean, there's a lot of scrubs. Billy Volek had some monster games. but That's a, that's a blast from the past. Yeah. But uh, I don't even know if you were alive then. But the uh, point is that, that you have to have an eye to how big of a magnitude is it for this guy to play behind a terrible offensive line that Carson Wentz led the league in sacks, mm-hmm. picks, fumbles, couldn't move the ball, crappy receivers. And this guy comes in against the Saints in a big game for them and – just flat out crushes and beats the Saints. And then now the second game, to me, that's a big magnitude. And so, and he's a second round pick who dominated in college, put up the same numbers, you know, as Kyler Murray, uh, uh, Kyler Murray in college, right? So, I mean, yeah. who was the number one overall pick? So, and Baker you start to, look, yeah. So, you start to look at it and you're like, I'm going to say this is not the usual start to QB. And, I, you know, and it just seems like, okay, that seemed pretty correct. Let's see start three. I think if someone's just going to regress him back to start an, a generic start three QB, now that's crazy. I don't think it was crazy for Rufus to have done that in start two sure. because this, it was still a pretty small sample. The magnitude was big, but it wasn't – now it's double the size. I mean, now the sample's double the size with the same magnitude. 400 total yards or close to it, four touchdowns, 338 in the air, 68 in the ground. Again, four total touchdowns. I, it, I agree with you. Oh, so you. You talk about the like almost a historical anomaly that a 600 home run or 600 foot home run would be, or a 110 mile per hour pitch on a 49 year old throwing it. I do kind of feel like Jalen Hurts doing what he did against the Saints defense fits that category. If only because I just watched the Saints defense play pretty darn well against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and I and I feel like that team is going to be the greatest of all time offensively or, or what I think they could be for quite a while, at least over a two- or three-year stretch because what Mahomes does, what he's got with Hill, with Kelsey, with even Watkins, with Le'Veon Bell now subs in as a backup running back when Edward Solaire is hurt. Like it's The amount of weapons the Chiefs have is insane. I thought the Saints did really well. So to see Hurts tear them apart the week before, there, there probably is some concern that they didn't have a lot of tape on it or didn't game plan really well or maybe even took Jalen Hurts a little bit easy. But you still can't just completely write it off what the Saints defense did after watching them how they played against the Chiefs. And I know you didn't watch that game entirely, but that they I thought they played really well, the Saints defense did against the Chiefs. Yeah, watch the Steelers without a lot of game film on Ryan Finley tonight. What happens? <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a great example, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be easy for him. They're not taking him that seriously. They're 13-point road favorites. But no, they're going to tear him apart. Uh, and yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the Saints team, I mean, it was probably a little, they, they were a little flat, you know, in that game with the chiefs coming up, but, um, yeah, it, it, it was what it was. And so, uh, I'm, I'm bullish uh, as a giants fan. I'm not happy that he's on their team, right. but, uh, I'll be drafting him in fantasy. And I started in the stake league. I, I got about a hundred. I'm desperate cause I'm close to buying stakes, but I got 150 points 
148 points, I still have Deontay Johnson going tonight. So this is finally my team, uh, you know, had a good outing, partly because it hurts. Well, it's brutal. I don't know if you've been aware of like the quarterbacks that actually are available in stake league right now. I'm having to rotate through because Burrow is my starter uh, for quite a while. I, I guess I could have picked up Matt Ryan. I don't know. Did you see Matt Ryan throwing for almost 300 yards and a couple touchdowns against the Bucks defense? I Especially with Julio yeah. out. Their, their pass defense is bad. Their run defense is tough. I would have seen it, but I would have picked him up if I were desperate for sure. All right. Well, I picked up Teddy Bridgewater, who I, I swear I put in my starting lineup but didn't go in there. So he got uh, like almost 19 points, and I'm like, gosh, oh, my God. All right. So uh, Matt Ryan, I ended up going to Wayne Haskins against the Seahawks. Oh, and that worked okay. He actually got a half point less than uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. That's fine then. Yeah, you, you're right. <laughs> so I, I, I don't want to get into it. I've talked about this on prior podcasts, but my primetime high stakes thing, it was, right. my quarterbacks at draft were Dak and Burrow. And so I had great quarterbacks, and then I had no, and then I had all these errors, and like Danny Dimes was out like the mm-hmm. week I needed him, and and then there was a glitch with the software. So I same thing with you, like I I needed to switch him in, switch Baker out in the blizzard for Dimes, didn't happen, cost me 18 points. Like every week there was some disaster with the quarterback, uh, which it doesn't matter because that team now that I'm in the play, you know, if I had made the playoffs, it would have been seven grand or 3,200. Right. Uh, so that would have been—I wouldn't have won the whole thing because I have like Camara. How, doing and, the and consolation guess. though? It was—it was fourth, and now it's like I want to say it's seventeenth. Okay, yeah. But but there's there's a few guys, you know, there's people who have players left yeah. in tonight's game, and it's—I mean, it's in striking range, but I think it'd be hard. I'd have to get like two hundred points the last, you know, next week next to till yep. I'd have to just kill it with like somebody weird, and like I had Antonio Brown, which is good, and maybe a lot of people don't have him or. I don't know. There's, it's pretty much done. I, I had I had hope after the first week, but it's pretty much done. Yeah, my, my best ball team we talked about on Friday or whenever we did XM last, my best ball team finally fell down to third place now after Newton and Jared Stidham just kept bleeding points at quarterback. Those are the only two guys that are left, uh, and it's, it sucks because I have Tyree Kill and Derrick Henry uh, and you know Darren Waller, and yet I just can't get anything out of the quarterback position, and it's ultimately fault for me. Can we move over to the upset of the day, right? I mean, like, I don't really want to talk about Jets Rams, but I think we have to because there's, it's almost laughable. We, the Jets can't even get a win and feel happy about it because now they have fallen into a tie with the Jaguars for the number one overall pick in Trevor Lawrence, you have to imagine. But I am, I'm stunned. I, I had no, I would not have seen the Rams at all. I did pick the Jets to cover the spread just because 17 points is insane, but I had no idea that they would actually win this game. What's hilarious, and I'm so pissed at myself, is Jeff and I do something called Force the Bet, where we bet the money lines on the NFL games, and the unit is ten dollars. So it's like you know the hundred, you know. So it's if it's minus three hundred, then you'd be risking thirty to win ten, and if it's plus three hundred, you'd be risking ten to win thirty, and the other guy has to take the other side of it. And and you know it's all true odds because we average the two. Normally, obviously, like the the house makes money because it'll be like plus plus 270 minus 330 meaning you have to risk 330 to win 100 but if you bet 100 you only win 270 on the underdog and that's the rake but we just average it and say okay it's plus 300 right we just because why there's no rake between us so every bet is basically true odds you're getting the odds you're supposed to whether you take a favorite or an underdog there's no rake and with the really huge lines vegas always kills you it'll be like minus 2000 plus 1000 so in other words, you'll be getting 10 to 1, and, and you'll have to lay 20 to 1 on, on one of these crazy things. Well, this one would have been 18 to 1 uh, if, if I had taken it. And I thought just for the hell of it, you know, I'll take the Jets at, at you know, Jeff's, my 10 against Jeff's $180. 
and I, I was just going to do it, but then I was like, ah, I'm just throwing away 10 bucks. I'm not going to do this. So I went with the Eagles instead. And damn, if I had done that, Jeff would have had to cough up 180 bucks. <laughs> and that, you know, I mean, that, like, and I was going to do it too, is a thing. It's so, so annoying that I just didn't do it because you may as well, they're all true odds, so to speak. Um, so that's crazy. The other thing, you know, so Vegas gave the Rams a 93.75% chance to win the game implied. So six and a quarter percent that that happened. And, you know, six and a quarter percent is not that small, right? You wouldn't get on an airplane with a 93%, 94% chance to reach its destination. You just wouldn't do that. It's, you're not going to risk your life on 94%. But it's still, like, if you think about it, not only was it so unlikely they'd beat the Rams in Los Angeles, but also that, you know, they blew, as you said, they blew the first pick. Jacksonville actually right now is ahead of them because of the, I guess it's like a strength of schedule aggregate that they've played. And the Jets is a little bit weaker than the Jaguars aggregate schedule. So the Jaguars get the first pick. And so it's just like, okay, they, they just, not only they shock the world, but they just cost themselves. And then I was trying to figure out how much this would cost. Right. So I'm like, if, if you tell me, Joe, you probably know more college than I do. If I'm a team and I've got 1.2, I'm the Jets. And I, I decided, you know what? We made a huge mistake winning that game. I really want Trevor Lawrence. What do I have to offer the Jags to get that pick? What kind of package? Yeah. So you're offering 1.2 to get 1.1. I think if you're the Jags and who also need a quarterback, likely because you're moving on from Gardner Minshew or right. else, you're probably saying you need to give me a second and a third and something else. Kind of like that, the the RG3 package that Washington had to pay. That's two firsts. I know. Two but firsts. It was like a seven. It was seven picks, right? Like that was from three to seven, I, I believe, something right, like that. Right, right. It, was, it wasn't it, it wasn't like from the second pick. Right. But so what I'm saying what, is because Trevor Lawrence is this generational prospect, I think you'd have to give I, – I, this is my guess, but you tell me if I'm wrong. 1.2 this year, yeah. next year's first, and this year's third. Yeah. Uh, that's Something a like tough that. one. I mean, like I could see – I could absolutely if – you, if you threw in the first next year, you are not overpaying if you're the Jets. I completely understand why. Right. But I also And think, a third this year. Right. I mean, I like after watching Justin Fields this past Saturday against Northwestern, I'm not sure you can be convinced that he is, you know, that the can't miss prospect that some people are anticipating he would be alongside Trevor Lawrence. And I don't think there's a second quarterback that really has emerged to the same caliber that Lawrence is. So it is possible. Yeah, absolutely. A first round pick next year and a third this year. I could absolutely see it. Right. So that's what the Jets basically gave up by winning that game. You know, an extra first and a third. You know, it, you know we're making this up, obviously, right. but. That's ballpark, right? I mean, if you think that's ballpark, I mean, some, you know, close to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not totally against it. Like people who are like, it's like, it's one thing to like play your young guys, which they should develop everybody, except for trade Frank away veterans, except Frank Gore for God knows uh, a reason. Yeah, I, yeah. Trade, trade away, you know, veterans, get draft picks, all that stuff's great. But on the field, what they did against the Raiders with the zero, you know, the cover zero or whatever, <laughs> that's like point shaving, right? And yep. It's shady, and you also don't do it for uh, organizational culture reasons. I think you know, give up games on purpose as a professional. And so, I I could actually see a case, even though I know a lot of people disagree with me, that as much as it costs them, obviously the Rams want to win because the Rams are in the thick of seeding for sure, the playoffs. Yeah. So you know the Rams are going to try. So you know, you, you basically, when you, when you try to win, you're taking the risk of winning. You're taking a risk that you might actually win, right? If yeah. you try to lose, you don't Silly take the risk. Sounds, yeah. Right. So they took a risk 
right? Like, like they tried to win the game, obviously, and they took a risk that they would actually win the game, and they did win the game, and it cost them whatever we said the equivalent of, you know, is. And I think it's still the right way to do it, even though you say that's so dumb. I mean, who cares about these games? It doesn't matter if you're one and fifteen or zero and sixteen. It doesn't matter what your record is, and it doesn't matter um, what people say. But I, I wonder, as a professional athlete and a competitor, like if you do that whether that's just the line you just never cross. It doesn't matter what the payoff is. It's not a utilitarian consideration. Mm-hmm. It is a matter of principle as a competitor. You always try and that you don't cross that line and you don't make exceptions for the greatest pick ever who, you know, you never know. I mean, he could turn out to be Andrew right. Luck, who was the greatest pick ever. He could turn out to be Jamarcus Russell. Probably not, but you never know. Oh, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think there's two points that I want to discuss from this with you. I don't know if you've like made a stance on how you feel in the, for these teams in the playoffs here, uh, but specifically the NFC. I feel like it really is whoever faces another person. There, there's direct weaknesses for everyone in the NFC. Do you feel like the Rams are now lower on your your list of comp- uh, contending teams from the NFC because of this, or is it just a any given Sunday one game? Any given game? Sunday, and I, I wasn't that high in the Rams anyway because I think their offense kind of sucks. Like I think golf is very limited. I think those rece- I think Cobb is a, is a good receiver and Woods is a good receiver, but they're not great receivers, and those are their two best. And Higby's good too. They're all good, uh, and I'm sure Acres or whoever is good, you know, Daryl Henderson, they're okay, um, but I don't think they're great. And so I think you, you know their defense is pretty good, but I think offense, at least to win multiple games. I think that's unless you have like the Ravens 2000 defense or something anomalously sure. good. Yeah, or even the uh, Niners I, I, last year, which got to yeah, the Yeah, right. But the Niners also had a really good offense too. True. Yep. Their that's offense good. was very good. So, um, unless you have, I, I just I just wouldn't want to bet on a team that is that shaky offensively, and we saw it against the Jets, right? So, um, but I, I next week I don't know who they play, and I don't know what the spread is, and I want to know because I got to guess it first. But um, I'm almost certainly taking the. The Rams. I'm almost certainly buying low after that loss. Okay, that's fair. Like as a Packers fan, I'm thinking of teams I don't want to face. I'm totally fine facing the Saints. I think, especially in Lambeau. But even if we have to play in the dome, I think the Packers win that game. I feel confident the Packers could beat the Buccaneers too. It took a bunch of fluky interceptions. Oh, they that got never killed happened. by the Buccaneers. Uh, I, it, I I feel completely confident, honestly, that they can beat the Buccaneers. I don't feel good about the Rams. I don't feel good about the Seahawks, and I don't feel good about the Cardinals either. I'm assuming whatever NFC East team makes it in is going to beat the Packers because that's. Uh, the type of fan. That's how the Packers roll. Yeah, but it's Wisconsin sports in general. So I'm just excluding that. But anybody in the NFC West, I I am legitimately afraid of, but the Rams in particular, I think Jalen Ramsey can do as well against Devontae Adams as anybody could. Uh, He'll shut Devontae Adams down. Running game is going to be fantastic with Cam Akers against the Packers. I'm I'm worried uh, as a Packers fan about the Rams, and I still am even after this Jets game. Yeah, I don't. I I agree with you that that you shouldn't change your assessment. I think it is an any given Sunday thing, but. the Packers are vulnerable because they can be run over and the Rams defense can slow down what has been the best offense in football so far. But I actually think, yeah, the Rams may pose a, a specific threat to the Packers that they wouldn't exactly. against a team with a better yes. run defense and of just a better defense. But I still think the Saints are the best team in the conference and Breeze was really rusty for three quarters, but he looked sharp at the end. And they got to get Michael Thomas back if ever. I mean, Michael Thomas. I mean, what a bust. Yeah, that's um, true. But, but I, I think that that 
I think that their defense is the they and the Rams are the two best defenses in the conference. Although the Cardinals defense has played a lot better lately. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I think that Isaiah Simmons too, which is crazy to me. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. They're starting to use them a little more, but, um, I, I think that, yeah, I, I think that the saints are still the best team in the conference. I, I think the Packers agree. I don't disagree that the Saints are the best team in the conference, but I do think the Packers specifically are able to attack the weaknesses that the Saints have. And I think their pass defense is susceptible. The Saints are. um, And I I think Aaron Jones can do enough. I think the the linebackers aren't quite fast enough to attack the edges where the Packers have been so good at this year. And I'm not worried about the Packers' offense against the Saints' defense. And that's the advantage that the Saints normally have because it's not Drew Brees. It's not the Saints' offense anymore. It's it's their defense. Right. It's the defense. Yep. It's the defense, offensive line, Camara, the easy, quick throws. It's 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 controlling the game really, and I, I can see that. I mean, the Packers are a very particular kind of team. I think the Chiefs' defense has gotten better this year, but the Packers are like the Chiefs used to be, like yeah, this unstoppable offense. But the other problem with the Packers, though, is it's mostly Rodgers and Devontae Adams, a great player, but he's like Travis Kelsey more. He's not going to break the game sure. wide open. And even Kelsey's more of a big play guy than, than Devontae Adams. Yeah. So MVS is so inconsistent. Uh, and Lazard, I mean, you just don't really have – I mean, Aaron Jones is great. And, and Devontae Adams is really good at what he does. But the Chiefs have this sort of like – you can be beating the Chiefs, you know, making them punt, oh, getting pressure exactly. on Mahomes. Yep. And all of a sudden, boom, it's like two touchdowns. Like, it's what happened to the Niners happened, at the yeah, end of that game. Yep. You're down by it's like so, 14 so fast. Points. I yeah. and, completely agree. And the Packers, they do that. You know, they have Tanyan catching balls and stuff. But if they get a little stuffed, like against the Bucks, they don't have that guy that you can just be like, all right, screw it. We're, we're going to throw an 80 yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill or Mecole Hardman on one play. You know, and that's, that worries me a little bit if the going gets rough. Uh, I agree with you that, but I don't think the Saints have that either. I mean, that's it, it's just a no. They don't. They don't. It's a they, bunch they of dink and dunk, and then you're going to have to be playing outside potentially uh, if you are the number two seed. We'll have to see. I actually think the the Packers and uh, I don't know. Am I going to be doing the guess the lines with you with the this this week? Uh, tomorrow? You want tomorrow? No, I'm not. Okay, so I, uh, I avoid that. I actually think the Packers beat the Titans. I know it's crazy to say Derrick Henry will set the rushing record. I'm I'm confident in that, but I do think the Packers will beat the Titans because the Packers' offense is going to be great against the Titans' defense. They're miserable. Well, this is going to be over under should be 80 in this game. Yeah, that's because what I'm I'll take whatever the over is. Yeah, because neither team can stop anybody and. The one thing the Packers have is a great offensive line, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that was what happened against the Bucks. I mean, Rodgers, for the only time this year, was really just under assault. And it was very weird. It was like what uh, it was like game five or something. And I was like, oh, I guess that Rodgers resurgence was fake. A guy bought into it. He must have had an easy schedule or something. And really, that was the only bad game he had, a really bad game he had. So I, I'm I'm a believer. I think the line plus Rodgers – uh, plus a healthy Adams and Jones is a is a huge floor, but you know in the playoffs you, you need ceiling too. So we'll see. I, obviously, this, getting the home field will be huge. Uh, I thought the Panthers actually took advantage of the Packers' offensive line at five sacks, I believe, yep, and it was all it interior pressure too, which is uh, tough tough to see. I like I was oh like, that's not that's not because you're right they've played so well for almost all of this year. Um, the, can I one other point I want with the Jets Rams is is the Jets situation that much worse than the Jacksonville situation or you can flip it in a positive way is is it like is Trevor Lawrence really downgrading that much because I was actually putting it together and once you get rid of Adam Gaze who I imagine is going to be gone at the end of the year I, I don't actually, know I think they're pretty similar I really do 
Well, they both have terrible coaches who should be fired. But I don't know that Gates is going to be fired because, A, why didn't they do it already if they're going to? A lot of other coaches got fired midseason. Mm-hmm. Secondly, uh, remember, he came in before last year uh, and they forced the GM out who did all the drafting. And so they can say, look, we didn't want Darnold. We didn't want Bell. We didn't want all these guys. Let me build my team. Give me a shot. And then, you know, if it doesn't go well. I don't know that he's even fired. Now, he might, you know, I mean, he might, but I'm not positive he's going to be fired. But secondly, uh, the at least the Jaguars have, well, I guess the Jets have, uh, you know, some young players. This is a harder question, yeah. yeah they, they have some young players on the outside. I mean, I, I'd rather have DJ Chark and the, uh, you know, James Robinson and, and the nucleus that Jacksonville has. Yeah, Chenault, you know, he's been hurt a bunch, but but he's been all right. And I guess the Jets' defense is better. You know, the core of their defense is probably better than Jacksonville's. But, uh, you know, what's his name? Um, the uh, the guy they got in the second round, his name is escaping me for the Jets oh, this year. Mims. Oh, Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims. He showed, like, some flashes when he wasn't hurt. Um, but that's really it. You know, I mean, that's really their only, at least offensive core piece that, you know, Ty Williams and, uh, I mean, sorry, Ty Johnson and. Uh, Frank Gore. Right. Yes. Uh, um, who's a, a P, a LaMichael P. Ryan. I mean, these, these guys aren't really like, they're just guys, I think. I don't think they're like serious building blocks. So, well, so the advantage I, is James Robinson, right? I mean, like the Jacksonville offensive line stinks. The Jets offensive line stinks. You have receiving core that I think is, is close. Like Jameson Crowder's a guy. I think he's a good player. You have Rashad Perriman. Maybe he comes back. Um, you have Denzel Mims. And you, those three equal to DJ Shark and Chenault, I feel like it's close. So the no, difference, difference is those, James those guys are fully priced. Those guys are full price. Jameson Crowder, Rashad Perriman. Those are veterans, oh, right? They've like, already hit whatever they're going to get to. Yeah. I, I mean, well, not only are they going to hit what they get to, but they're also getting, you know, Crowder signed a free agent deal. Not like they're getting paid so much money, but like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't count the veterans. I guess you should. Maybe you should. Okay, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Keep well, going. Make your case. Just the, the only difference is the James Robinson factor. And then if you imagine, hopefully the Jets don't have to trade to number one overall to get Lawrence or whatever else. But if they keep their second round pick, you're probably drafting a running back. There's a few. Um, the guy from Clemson obviously looks fantastic right now, but you had a breakout game from uh, uh, Damian Harris, I think, or Harris, whatever, the, the running back for Alabama as well. He had an awesome game too. There's options this year from the Jets' perspective if you want to not have Frank Gore eventually play his 39th season in the NFL. He's but the play. leadership, Joe, the I know. leadership factor, no, 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 don't, don't underestimate it. The, the Jets are going to seriously want to have Frank Gore play with his son. We're, we're two years away from that. I don't know if you yeah. realize that. We're two years away from it. No, I'm, I, I think they, you got to think big. You got to think grandson. He's got to play with his grandson. That's what the <laughs> it's possible. Real team. But the way yeah. Frank Gore has been playing, and you know, for as much as you want to talk about it, so, he did do pretty du- productive things this past week. So go ahead. So I'm looking at this. So you know, Mackie Becton. I don't know what the grade on him is, He's but that's good. he's been a positive this year for them. Okay, so that that's a building block that's you know bigger than you know James Robinson or having a running back. Uh, I'm looking at. I don't know much about the Jags offensive line. I don't think it's been very good. No. Is there anybody there that's They had the high pick in Cam Robinson. He's probably not coming back or if they are going to they're going to be overpaying him. So that's no. Their offensive line is not very Juwan good. Juwan Taylor is a second rounder, right tackle, 35th overall last year. I'm looking at some of these guys. I don't know. I don't know what the grades are on these guys, but some of that's going to be a, a factor. A lot of offensive line play is cohesion and coaching too. Um, and the Jets defensively are probably better and Quinton Williams can some of their marquee guys, obviously they get, they traded away Jamal Adams. I don't know. They're both, 
I would like if, if you're coming into a new situation, I, you expect the team to be terrible, right? Usually, when coaches get fired, the team's bad. Few people will come into the Anthony Lynn situation of the Chargers, where you know if he gets fired, and you've got Justin Herbert, yeah. yeah, all of a sudden you know you got Joey Bosa, you got Derwin James if he ever stay healthy, and Casey Hayward. I mean, you got like a loaded team mm-hmm. right out of the gate, so that that's always rare. Usually, you take over a team, it's pretty bad. You get the picks, you have a couple pieces, but. Yeah, I mean they're they're teardowns pretty much. I, I everyone talks about how bad the Jets are, and they have been that bad this year. And I was like, wait a minute, like actually, it's closer. It's closer than you'd think. And the, and the Jets are going to have that late second or, or late first round pick where they could go running back instead of second round. But Jacksonville will, will as well too with the Jalen Ramsey deal. Uh, they're getting the Rams first round pick this year. The Jets are getting the Seahawks first round pick this year. So they're going to be kind of even. It's it's not as massive of a difference as I, I think people might first imagine. So um, we probably only have time for like two or three more games, maybe if you want to discuss. But is there any other? Let's just well, we can wrap up in like five minutes because we okay. got to get ready for the show and stuff. So just anything else on your mind, Joe? That uh, we don't have to fill yeah, up a whole I, hour. I mean the the Falcons doing Falcons stuff in the second half was not at all surprising to me, but the fact that they were able to get so far ahead of the Bucks to begin that was shocking to me. And I know Tom Brady threw for a ton of yards and that's great. Antonio Brown got his touchdown. We have Mike Evans have an appearance, which wasn't all that surprising. I just don't know what to make of the Buccaneers. And that's like the Rams we talked about earlier. I'm also confused with them, but not, not really. I think the Buccaneers, it's a different story. I just don't know. Maybe Ronald Jones, when he comes back, is going to make that offense a little bit more different because they were really gravitating to Tim as the guy Fournette did nothing in that, in that role, except he scored touchdowns, but otherwise he was just inefficient. I'm, I'm. Confused. He made a couple all right runs. I watched a little bit. Of that. He, he he fought for extra yards. He wasn't too bad, but Ronald Jones is the guy. He's better. He's more explosive right now. And uh, you know Brady was shaky early, and then got into a rhythm and made some nice throws. And they figured out Atlanta always seems to collapse. Matt Ryan watching Brady, you know, take over after a large deficit just is funny. I mean, <laughs> PTSD probably at this point, but. Uh, I, I think they're pretty good. Uh, their their pass defense is their real weakness. They they got to pass protect, and they got to play pass defense better. And I think teams will light them up. Like I think the the Packers this time, unless they somehow get that pressure again on Rodgers, would light them up. They're back. They're back four pretty weak. I mean, the Giants game was you know when they almost beat them, yes. and Daniel Jones missed a long touchdown to a wide open Darius Slayton, they still scored 23 and were knocking on the door to, to tie with a two-point conversion. I was like, oh, this defense isn't that good. They're just really good against the run. And so the teams that can go over top are going to hurt the Bucks. And so, you know, there's not a lot of them, right? The Saints have no deep threats. The Packers, you know, MVS, but he's so erratic. Uh, the yeah, Rams don't really have deep. I mean, it's not Tyreek Hill or MVS deep, but he can go deep. I mean, that's he, they've proved that time and time again this year. He can, he can kind of go deep. He's not, he's not the guy that's going to – He's gonna he can abuse uh, corners on route running yes. and body control and strength and he's got good hands so he can just sort of do what DeAndre Hopkins does he's kind of like Hopkins you know yeah. they're 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 very uh, technicians but if you you want to talk about like punishing a defense that can't you know lets players get behind them that's you know that's not his game really you know he's he's a short pass catcher I mean a medium not he's not Michael Thomas he's he's a little bit more depth of target than that, but he's not a downfield guy. Not saying that's the only thing you need, but it seems like the Bucks, that's what's going to kill them. And uh, trying to think of the teams that are in the playoffs in the NFC that even have guys like DK that. The Seahawks. He's the ultimate. I mean, DK Metcalf is like the ultimate of that. He's just, that's what he does. He just tortures people. He, Tyreek Hill, Terry McLaurin does it. He just says, I'm a quarterback. Right. Yeah. 
the other part that sunk me, so I was in five playoff leagues now down to three after today, more than likely. I had Ezekiel Elliott in a number of different places, and I was convinced I'm going to bench him, whether it be for Mike Davis against the Packers, uh, uh, J.K. Dobbins as well. I'm going to bench Ezekiel Elliott. But everywhere I also had Tony Pollard as the backup. So my thought was, okay, I'm not playing Ezekiel Elliott regardless if he's healthy. So the same thought should apply to Tony Pollard. I was wrong. I was an idiot, and that's going to cost me in at least one of those leagues, and I'm kind of frustrated about it. Is there any way you could talk me off the cliff on this one? You should just jump. I mean, if I made a mistake like that, I wouldn't forgive myself. And I, and knowing that, especially as young as you are, Joe, it's a long life to have that regret. Yeah, so it's, it's just going to be holding on to forever. Exactly. Uh, no, I, I actually drafted Pollard in a few leagues and dropped him because one stack got hurt. I was like, this offense sucks. Why am I holding on to the backup mm-hmm. to the Cowboys? So it was a similar reasoning. You're like, I don't like the starter. Why do I like the backup? It's a, it's, you know, these guys suck. Uh, so yeah, it is what it is. I mean, you, you, you know, as long as you have. Who did you start over him? Someone good? J.K. Dobbins I started over. Who did fine enough? Okay. But, I mean, that's yeah, like a 20-point yeah. right. difference. And then and who else? Uh, Mike Davis in the NFFC league that I'm doing, it was an auction league, and I really needed those points. Um, it's going to be now way too close when I had a pretty substantial lead this past week in the, in the aggregate total of overall. That one hurts. Um, but I, I still feel like that was the right choice. I was always going to start Mike Davis against the Packers just because Pollard goes for 30 points. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah, I mean – it's the wrong choice because it didn't pan out. Right. But what you're trying to say is, <laughs> did, did I have good? Right. Did I get have good process? And it's always a conceit to say, oh, my process is great. I just got it wrong this time, uh, because really long-term results are the only point of having a process. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's sort of like the long-term results matter, but this is a short-term result. But the problem with the short-term result is sometimes in the playoffs it has an outsized impact. But I don't think you should feel that bad. I'll say you should feel. Upset about the result, but I don't think you. How I, I think should I feel? Fifty-four percent. You should feel like I think you should feel like forty-six percent bad. Fifty-four percent in a couple of minutes. Yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, fifty-four percent. You know, is just sort of bad luck. Uh, East Coast offense. What do you got for us for tomorrow? Well, it's going to be the uh, the team I w- the, the, yeah your favorite article. The team I wish I had drafted. Yeah, I got I I haven't decided yet how absurd I want to go, but hopefully, the more absurd the better. I'm looking forward to it. That's always my favorite one every single week. So uh, I appreciate you uh, popping on the show with me today, filling in for Jeff. Uh, this is good. Got to get to Sirius XM, but I'm happy we were able to do this today. I'll be on tomorrow with Jake Klatarski to do the free agent recap. I don't know if we have a show for Wednesday. I think we do not. And I'm not positive on the Thursday deal. Obviously, it's Christmas Day. But to everyone listening out there, happy holidays. Stay safe. Uh, and we will talk to you guys next week. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.